The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Wanna take a ride? Broadcasting from the sprawling outskirts of the Florida Everglades in the intellectual wilderness of South Florida. Not anymore, not anymore. That people move to just because it doesn't snow. You're right. This is the Nicole Sandler Show. Uh, All right, I hit the wrong button. I I get copyright violated for this one, but not too badly. They just, you know, don't let me earn any money. But that's okay, I don't anyway. So, take it away, good government people. Here we go. Hello, I'm from the government with an important announcement. Have you been getting the feeling lately that everything is going to shit? Don't worry, you're not imagining it. Scientists have coined a new term for the era we're living through. The enshittenment. When the enshittenment began is unclear. Evidence suggests probably around the time agriculture was adopted. But there is now a clear consensus that it is human-caused and rapidly accelerating. Watching everything go to shit everywhere at the same time can be overwhelming. That's why we're launching a new service to help keep you up to date. Where's humanity going to shit now? In today's episode of Where's Humanity Going to Shit Now, we look at Israel and Gaza, where a bunch of angry old fuckwits are massacring civilians and children as the world watches on. Humanity has clearly gone to shit here, and that's because one of the symptoms of enshittenment is the inability to hold more than one truth in the brain at the same time. In this case, three truths. One, Hamas's attack on civilians in Israel is fucked and a violation of international law. Two, Israel collective punishment of civilians in Gaza is fucked and a violation of international law. And three, both one and two are happening in the context of an occupation which is fucked and in violation of international law. Failure to hold these three truths at the same time has been linked to uncritical exposure of the brain to bullshit propaganda, of which we in the media are primary disseminators. Bullshit propaganda has of course been the cause of every major war this century and is thus one of the pillars of the age of enshittenment. The good news is, experts regard this case of enshittenment as being avoidable, as demonstrated by all the people calling for an immediate end to the murder of children, and to angry old fucks who stoke conflict, and for us to uphold international law everywhere, not just where it suits us. Join us next week for another episode of Where's Humanity Going to Shit Now? Where we look at the coming US election. This has been a message from your local government franchise. Good luck. Yeah, luck is right. That is, um, oh, I always, I always uh, draw a, a blank on the name of that group. It is Juice Media out of Australia who puts those good government videos together. And they're so spot on, including today. Um, yeah, that's why I put the, uh, the, the, the little, uh, you know, warning, the disclaimer on at the beginning of the show, because on this program, we use language, <laughs> mostly because we can. You know, it is the way I speak in normal life. However, just so you know, starting November 17th, uh, just about um, two and a half weeks from now, I will be doing a new show Friday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. No, I'm sorry, at 5 Pacific, live at 5 on the, on the West Coast. Um, that'll be 8 Eastern, 
on KPFK, that's 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, and of course on the interwebs at kpfk.org. So it'll be a special edition of the Nicole Sandler Show exclusively, well, predominantly for KPFK. And um, just know that they are a, a broadcast station, so you will not be hearing uh, terms like fuckwad or <laughs> anything like that on that show. We will find ways to get around the language thing, but um, I, you know, I'm a pro. I've been at this for 40 years or so, and I know how not to curse on the radio. So in case you were wondering, no, I'm not, I, we can say caucus. You just can't say cox, but you can say caucus, you know, and fun words like that. Um, yeah. So um, I, I believe me, it's there's a thing called, you know, I'm always harping on you consider the source. It's also consider the venue. And I know here, Karate Joe saying, can you say jizz bag? I probably wouldn't on the KPFK show. On this show, anything goes. Okay. Anyway. There you go. So um, uh, we're we're in the countdown to the um, uh, the first show on KPFK, and I had a great idea for a first guest, and we're trying to work out the logistics of it. But you know, KPFK is Pacifica. Now, the Pacifica Foundation was the very, and they, yes, they do have a ten second delay on KPFK, but I don't want to push it. I promised them that I would adhere to the regulations. And I can, I can say Cox cable, but I, you're right, Rick, but I can't say cock as in part of the human anatomy, which I wouldn't anyway, but uh, <laughs> unless we're talking about, you know, um, uh, Maddie Dick picks, even then I don't say cock, I say Dick, but I won't do that either. I'll do that here. So anyway, anyway, um, what was I about to tell you? Oh, about my first guest. So I've, I've been, you know, trying to decide who should be the first guest. Now that first show will take on the format of the show. So it'll be sort of a recap of the, the week's news because it's Fridays at five. So it is quitting time and it's when we, you know, launch into the weekend. Uh, so we'll just, some days it'll be short and sweet. Others, it'll probably be longer and involved. Um, and and uh, then I thought we'd bring on a guest and then use the final segment, I'll do like three segments, to open the phones. Because you know, I've been off the air in Los Angeles for over 20 years, let's put it that way. Time flies, doesn't it? Anyway, I do want to be able to talk to people there. So I want to make sure that I have a, a phone in, a call-in section at least almost every week. But for the first guest, taking into account the legacy of Pacifica Radio. And when you say Pacifica Radio, most people don't think of KPFA up in the Bay of San Francisco Bay Area, which I believe was the first Pacifica station, or KPFK, where I'll be broadcasting from, kind of, sort of, um, which is the... Um, uh, has the biggest signal of any radio station west of the Mississippi. Any of the K radio stations, that's the dividing line. The biggest, um, uh, um, 
the, the largest, the best signal, the biggest signal, it's a powerful radio station. Um, but what Pacifica is most known for, if you mention Pacifica to, uh, to most lay people is George Carlin's seven dirty words. So I'm thinking I should have Kelly Carlin on Kelly Carlin, of course, a, a friend of the show. She's been on my show many times, George's daughter who wrote a book called a Carlin home companion about growing up with George as her dad. Um, and you know, Kelly straddles a few universes. Um, she does the comedy thing. She was doing a podcast. I don't think she still is. She is a, I don't know that she's a psychotherapist such as it is, but she is a life coach. She works with people doing coaching on life experiences and such. And she leads these amazing workshops. I've been fortunate enough to do at least one with her. I've done a few, uh, a few workshops, but one, um, uh, you know, uh, multi-week workshop and it was wonderful. So, um, anyway, I'm trying to, so she has plans that night. So we may actually pre-tape her segment just cause I really want her on the first show to pay tribute to her father and his legacy and the Pacifica legacy and talk about the seven dirty words case without being able to say any of those seven dirty words. <laughs> So I can show management that I really can get through a show without cursing. You know what the seven dirty words are, don't you? If you don't want to hear them, close your ears. It'll take five seconds. You ready? Turn down your radio. If you don't want to hear the seven dirty words that you can't say on radio or television, and you couldn't 45 years ago when this case was brought, and you still can't 45 years later today. You ready? Turn down the radio. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Those are the seven dirty words, and you still can't say them. So, it, and probably every kid out there can say that. Well, at least when I was a kid in the 70s, the 80s, you could. All right. So, anyway, uh, we are getting ready for that first show, on which I will not say any of those seven dirty words. All right. <sighs> now, you know, you can talk about language as obscene. I personally don't consider language obscene, but I consider the actions of many obscene. You know, what's going on over in Hamas and Israel or in Gaza, thanks to Hamas and Israel, thanks to Netanyahu and company. Um, that's obscene. The taking of human lives, the butchering of humans is obscene. And, and frankly, the one-sidedness of so many on the left, I'll say, um, who, whose mantra is Palestinians good, Jews bad, or at least that's the way it sounds to us Jewish Americans. And case in point, let me share with you a couple of pieces of audio. And I can't believe I'm playing anything from anyone on Fox. But a few weeks back, um, news organizations around the country were invited to the Israel, I believe the Israeli consulate, to view video from the October 7th attacks. Because frankly, what you're hearing 
from Hamas and being echoed by too many people on the left in this country um, are are obscene statements to the effect of, well, they had it coming. Nobody had it coming. And if you're wondering what was on these um, videotapes that these journalists saw, go to the Atlantic if you're fortunate enough to have a subscription. But at least the one story that I posted from one of the journalists who who was there, who saw this footage, um, was not behind a paywall. So look for it. Or you can listen to what Martha McCullum, and again, I don't, I don't stand by anything anyone on Fox says, but this is not a partisan issue. Um, this is an issue about humanity. So on Friday, a number of reporters were invited to the Israeli consulate to view the video of the Hamas attack on October 7th. Everyone has seen some of these images online, but the unfiltered video is absolutely um, obscene. It's, it's so horrific. It's hard to put into words. And we've had our reporters, Trey Yanks and Mike Tobin, have also watched it and, and had a similar feeling. But, you know, the, there is obviously so much blood, so many charred bodies. It's very difficult, obviously, to watch this. But the things, the two things that stuck with me, Dana, more than anything, is uh, a moment when two young boys, they're probably eight and ten, a grenade is thrown into the room where they are with their father, and their father's killed, and then the terrorist, the Hamas terrorist, pulls the boys out and basically pushes them into their kitchen, and they're crying. One of them can't see from the grenade, and the terrorist starts drinking water or milk or juice out of their refrigerator and standing in their kitchen. Mm. These boys are... are screaming and they one of them says I, I want my mother of course he does and then he says why am I alive mm. it's a very um, I will never forget this boys these two boys I, I just can't imagine so beyond the blood and the horror is the emotion of I don't know if they survived right. but of the survivors and the other thing that haunts will haunt anyone who hears it or sees it, are the phone calls. There's a Hamas terrorist who calls his parents, and they have a recording of it because it yep. was on a phone yep. that I think was left there or belonged to one of the um, uh, victims. And he says, um, Mom and Dad, you will be so proud of me. I'm a hero. I killed 10 Jews with my own hands. And his parents are cheering and <laughs> saying that they wish they were with him. Um, it is, it is, it's horrifying. And I think, think that the reason obviously that they're showing it to people is that they don't want this part of this story to be forgotten. Right. And it is important to remember what, what, what the spark was. These people in, in, uh, the Palestinian territory would not be under attack right now. And it's horrific what is happening to their families as well. But this attack would not be happening if it weren't for what happened on October 7th. If it weren't for what happened on October 7th. And if you listen to people who are ostensibly colleagues of allies of mine, they, they say nothing about what happened on October 7th, only about 
you know, what Israel is doing in retaliation, which I don't condone, but I also on the same hand ask, what would you have them do? Hamas came over in huge numbers over the border and went on a rampage, a killing, murdering rampage. This is, was, is a pogrom. This is a killing spree like nobody in, of my age have seen ever before in our lifetimes. We've heard the stories of the Holocaust to which it has been passed down family to family, never again. And here it was again. Now, I'm not excusing the, uh, the conditions under which Israel holds the people trapped in Gaza. But also remember, Israel may have a border on one side. The only other uh, side that's not bordered by water is bordered by Egypt. Egypt, another Arab country. You'd say, well, let Egypt open the border and let the people from Gaza out. No, Egypt refuses. They will not do that because they don't want those Palestinians coming into Egypt. So when you blame Israel for everything, just know it's their leadership. And if the people in Gaza would turn in the Hamas terrorists, this would all end. If they would make sure the, the, the hostages, the, the number keeps going up, 240 hostages kidnapped, innocent civilians taken from Israel into Gaza to be held as human shields. Same thing that Hamas does with the, the citizens, with the Palestinians in Gaza. They don't they don't uh, discriminate between the two. All civilians are human shields to them. Yes, Israel's um, uh, bombing of a refugee encampment, if that's what it was, horrific. What they don't tell you is below that refugee encampment, which is the reason they put the encampment there, below them is a tunnel in which Hamas terrorists uh, uh, headquarters, let's put it that way, are. Because Hamas puts their military headquarters right smack dab in the middle of civilian residential areas and hospitals and schools because they don't give a shit about the Palestinian people as much as they don't, as well, they don't give a shit about them as much as they hate the Jews. And again, when you hear the term from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free. What they're talking about is wiping out the entire state of Israel and every Jew on the planet. Now the Christians, the good white nationalists here in America, they don't like that. You know why? Because they're Christian fundamentalists and they want to be raptured. And the only way they'll be raptured is if all Jews return to Israel, according to that wonderful piece of fiction known as the Bible. I guess, you know, I have no use for organized religion. So don't ask me, but that's, there is no logic behind it. It's all bullshit. But this continues. And what, what has come out of it? 
all my former allies on the left who are saying, oh, the poor people of Gaza. Yes, the poor people of Gaza. But what about the people of Israel who, by the way, are under uh, constant alerts? They have they have shelters in every neighborhood um, because Hamas sends rockets over the border from Gaza into Israel every single day, probably every hour. You just don't hear about it because Israel has better defense capabilities. However, um, uh, this, this, this one-sided argument from some of the people who I used to consider allies, what that's done, and the propaganda on TikTok, which is coming from uh, Russia and Iran and other places around the world that don't want the Jews to exist or that want to ratchet up uh, hostilities inside the U.S., college kids, college kids who used to be smart and... um, you know, and, and able to pick apart, uh, the, the real stuff from the bullshit are no longer able to. And what happened? Somebody at Cornell was arrested. Well, here, let, let hear this report from, uh, NBC. Against Jewish students at Cornell university under names, usernames like Hamas fighter and kill Jews. The department of justice says day allegedly threatened to stab and slit the throat of any Jewish males he sees on campus, to rape and throw off a cliff any Jewish females, nice. and to behead any Jewish babies. Oh, sounds lovely. And that lovely. same post, they threatened to bring an assault rifle to campus and shoot all you pig Jews. Joining us now, NBC News Justice and Intelligence Correspondent Ken Delanian. I know it's shocking to, to read what he wrote, and we don't like to promote that sort of language and those sorts of threats. But I do think also, Ken, it's important to to fully state what's out there so people can't say it's not really happening or it's no big deal. Tell me what happened, what we know about what's happening in court and what he's been charged with. Couldn't agree more, Katie. The complaint says that Dai, prosecutors tell us it's pronounced Dai, <coughs> is a junior at Cornell and that he posted these vile messages on a website frequented by Cornell students. And in addition to the ones that you mentioned, he also posted a very specific threat, they say, to shoot up 104 West, which is a kosher dining hall of next to the Jewish uh, Student Center. Um, he is charged with making an interstate, interstate death threat, uh, which is punishable by up to five years in prison. Uh, the complaint says that they traced the IP address where the threats originated to his computer, uh, interviewed him, and that he admitted to making the threats. Now, his parents have told... The New York Post that he was suffering from mental health challenges, that he had to leave school for a while, that he was depressed. Um, he spent the night in jail last night and uh, was scheduled to make a first appearance at, in federal court in Syracuse at 2.30. So he may be in court right now. He may be in court right now. I'll tell you who is in court right now is Donald Trump Jr. But we'll get to that. Karate Joe is in my chat room ratcheting up the bullshit. So, hey, Karate Joe, you can either call in now, I gave you the number, or you can get the fuck out of my chat room. I don't know, he's saying, I don't doubt there are tunnels, but it's only Israeli military saying there's a tunnel every place people say what the fuck they are bombing that for. 
Karate Joe, I'll say it again. You can call in now and talk to me, or you can leave my chat room and not watch my show again because I'm so sick of the one-sided bullshit making it saying that it's okay to go after Jews, but the Palestinians, they're all innocent. Come on, Joe, bring it on or get the fuck out of there. Meanwhile, Christopher Ray, the, uh, the uh, um, FBI director, testified before Congress yesterday. LOL? Okay, bye. Let's see. Karate Joe is now banned from my chat room. Karate Joe, you want to be unbanned? You can call in and talk to me. But you don't get to spew shit like that in my chat room and go LOL when I call you out on it. You can take that and all the money you've contributed to my show and you know what comes next. Okay, so Chris Ray, FBI director, um, had a warning. As Israel's war against Hamas rages on, a dire warning from FBI director Christopher Wray. The ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level. Ray telling the Senate Homeland Security Committee the FBI is concerned violent extremists will be inspired by Hamas and other foreign terrorist groups to attack Americans. We assess that the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. The Anti-Defamation League says it's seen a nearly 400% increase in reported anti-Semitic incidents compared to the same period last year, with college students frequently targeted. When we are hearing from students who are saying that they are being harassed, uh, concerned about being visibly Jewish, I think is really concerning. On Tuesday, FBI Director Ray highlighted the alarming surge in anti-Semitic hate nationwide. This is a threat that is uh, reaching in some ways sort of historic levels. All part of his warning that threats against both American Jews and Muslims are growing, inflamed since the war began, including the killing of a six-year-old Palestinian-American child in Illinois, allegedly at the hands of his family's landlord. Horrible. Ray said the FBI also arrested a man in Houston who was studying how to build bombs and posted online about his support for killing Jews. Uh, so that was a, a, a report from um, NBC News. Oh, and now I hear from the chat room that Karate Joe is up to the same bullshit in Randy Rhodes' chat. Let me guess, he was banned there too. Look, you know, as Jews, we put up with a lot of shit, a lot of stupid, ugly jokes that people think are funny, a lot of ignorance. I got to tell you, we were, we were at a... Um, a friend's house, an old dear friend of mine who is from New York, who knows better, but her husband is a Southerner and maybe doesn't. And he made a comment to David and he said, we talked about getting something for a good price. And the guy said, oh, you Jewed him down, huh? Let me tell you something. That's not Okay. We heard about the guy, I, I did the story here, in some town hall meeting in some 
bumfuck Arkansas part of the country um, who, uh, and it wasn't Arkansas, it was some other backward Southern town because I can't even call it a city, but I don't remember the specifics, but somebody got up. I I think it was a school board member or something. He got up at this town hall meeting and he said something about, um, or, or on the record, he said something about being Jewed down. And he didn't know that there was anything wrong with that. So if you need to hear it spelled out for you, yes, there's something really wrong with that. And if you don't understand why, then go back to school. Oh, wait, they don't teach you that shit in schools anymore. I don't know what the answer is for you. Get your head examined. Grow up. And I still have to have a conversation with my friend about what her husband said, because it's not okay. And especially now, that was before October 7th, and especially now, after October 7th, it's even more not okay. And that's why I need to let my friend know what her husband said and to let him know that it's not okay because some people need to be hit over the head with it. It was Florida. What was Florida? Oh, that Jew down comment from this thing was in Florida. Of course it was. But this wasn't. This was in Arizona. So just saying. Um, you know, anytime you invoke somebody's race or nationality or religion and use it as an insult or a slur, it's wrong. What, what more do you need to know? It's wrong. Can I say it again? It's wrong. All right. Our guest today, we have a guest coming up in just a couple of minutes. And uh, it's somebody that you know, uh, Joan Walsh. We, I first met, you know, learned of Joan Walsh more than a decade ago when she was, um, she was an editor at Salon.com. I forget what her title was. It wasn't editor-in-chief. It was some other uh, title. And then she took a leave of absence to write her book uh, that was something like, What's the Matter with White People? <laughs> Good question. And, um, uh, and then after a while, she went back to work for the nation. So she is the national correspondent for the nation at the nation. I think it's .com, thenation.com is where you find them. But she just released a new book, and I think it's just out like yesterday. It was supposed to come out a couple of weeks ago, but I think they delayed it. And it's called, and I can still say it, Corporate Bullshit. On this show, I can say it. Actually, it doesn't say shit. It says B-U-L-L-S-H asterisk T. Is that less objectionable than saying the word? I don't think so, but just saying. Um, Anyway, the book is called Corporate Bullshit, Exposing the Lies and Half-Truths that Protect Profit, Power, and Wealth in America. She should be in the chat room about now. I was uh, in the chat room, in the Zoom about now, and I always get worried when um, the guest is not there when they're supposed to be, thinking that something's not working. So I'm going to quickly... Check my email. I don't see any, um, I don't see anything from Joan. So hopefully she's just running a couple of minutes late. Here's the thing. I love having guests on Zoom 
because it's like they're in the room and we can see them and talk to them. But there's something to be said for the old days when I had to call the guest so that I had their phone number and wouldn't worry if they were running late. So, um, all right. So, uh, you know, the people who are, let me just, I'll, I'll say this and hopefully Joan will pop into the, 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 uh, the zoom room. Um, people in the YouTube chat room are bitching about ads. I know I hate them too. And you'll notice there really are no ads running during this show. However, if you watch on YouTube, you'll get hit with an ad or two every 24 minutes. Cause I said it that way. Um, there are ads running on YouTube because not enough of you contribute to keep this show going up. Oh, and Joan is calling on my cell phone. So I'm guessing Joan is the chat is the zoom not working. Oh no. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, it's probably me. Um, I'll tell you what, let me, uh, I, um, I'll DM you on, um, are you still on Twitter? Okay. I'll, I know me too. We, we call it shitter because X I T T E R it's pronounced shitter. Um, right. <laughs> of course. Right. Um, exactly. It is a shit. Um, and so I will DM you on shitter, um, a link to get into, um, uh, zoom. Okay. And hopefully that'll work. Okay. Hold on while you're on the phone. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to put you on speaker because we are high tech. And um, while we're talking, let me get the uh, the link because this is, you know, I love working, you know, commando without a producer. Um, but it would be nice to, you know, have somebody do this stuff when I'm when I'm uh, having having trouble. Yeah. So, OK, it's been copied. Let me go into my shitter. Come on, shitter. Where are you? There you are. And, and message Joan Walsh. So I've been telling the listeners, you know, about the book, um, which we will be talking about in just a moment. This is how I vamp on the air. All right. There's Joan. You know, I had a feeling when you weren't there, but um, all right. So I'm just DMing you the Zoom link and it should be in your shitter direct messages. Okay. And hopefully... Okay. Also, my dog is like freaking out, which, you know, isn't abnormal. She, you know, she's not freaking out. She's 14 and a half, and she just like gets, she gets a little bit weird sometimes. Uh huh. Okay. All kids, all girls. Work. That didn't work either? I, I don't know. You tell me. But um, no, I don't see you in here. That's just weird. All right. I'll tell you what. Um, in that case, shit, because um, I'd love to have you on video, but I'll tell you what, let me do this because there is a way, because I'm so high tech, <laughs> if, if we have a signal here, you know, I, I just moved to Arizona and in Florida, I did not have a decent um, uh, signal for my cell phone in the house and here in um, Arizona, I do not have a decent uh, cell phone signal in my house. So it, it really kind of sucks, but hold on. Hopefully this will work and I can just bring you up through the board. Um, I think it's trying to, 
God, it's trying to connect to the wrong thing. Of course it is. All right, here we go. We shall have you on the, I think, come on, roadcaster, do it. Scan, it's pairing. It says it's pairing. Pairing, pairing. Yes, we want to be paired. Come on. Come on. There we go. Pair. Pair. Not with an A-I-R. Joan? Hello. <laughs> it worked. All right. Now I just need to change the um, the screen because, you know, I always, I, I try to have a backup because I know that this is possible. So we've got your photograph up on the, uh, the, the, the YouTube. We've got the book cover and even the chirons are correct. So, hey, um, I'll pat myself on the back. Thank you. So, Joan Walsh is here. Uh, we met her, as I was saying earlier. I, I got to know you over a decade ago when you were, you were an edit, editor at large for Salam.com. Was that the title? Well, I mean, yes, I think back then I was, but yeah. I, before that I was the editor-in-chief. Not that I'm trying to, you know, claim bigger titles for myself, but yeah, I do think I was editor-at-large yeah, when, some... when we were, were going back and Right. Uh, and then um, you left to write the book, What's the Matter with White People? And you came back and I'm, I know I'm, I'm sort of pushing, I'm compressing time, but that now you're at The Nation, okay. uh, The Nation, where you're a national correspondent. You write about everything from Bruce Springsteen to uh, corporate <laughs> bullshit. Of course, I appreciate the Bruce Springsteen stuff. Um, but the book is really good. So I got this. I got an advanced copy of Corporate Bullshit, Exposing the Lies and Half-Truths that Protect Profit, Power, and Wealth in America. And um, I got this sent to me right before we left Florida. So there were times on the road where we're driving cross country and I'm reading to David. I'm like, oh my God, you've got to hear this. And almost any page you open to, you see a, uh, a blast from the past, a moment from American culture where corporations um, just launched the bullshit trying to, to, to um, get one over on the American people so they can make a bigger profit. Am I overstating or misstating anything? No, not at all. No, my God. I mean, the, the, the only problem is it just keeps going on and on. So like if you had turned on your perhaps AM radio, you would have heard some of the same things. Like, you know, one of the things we started up, we wanted to, we, we went back, like we started out going back to, to basically the new deal and just before the new deal, which obviously the Gilded Age and, you know, people were dying in factories. And so that was all, you know, really horrible. And, and also corporations defended all of it, but we went back to slavery and the early attempts, like in the in the same time as slavery before the Civil War, for cities to try to develop some kind of help for poor people. And with both things, the you know the things that we wrote about in our book just jumped out at us. It's like. Slavery is good for the enslaved because it gives them, you know, it gives them skills, as, as Ron DeSantis has told us um, lately. But, you know, it just really empowers them and, you know, gives them religion, our religion. They didn't have any religion before. 
et cetera. And the poor, you know, of New York in the 1830s really shouldn't get any kind of relief during the, you know, the panics or depressions right. that happened back then because it would discourage them from working. And that has been the set of arguments for our whole history. Um, and so, you know, when I saw that, I was just like, this really is a book. Yeah. Well, and you said we, the book we put out. And and to be clear, you didn't, you're not the sole author on this book. This was a collaboration between three of you, it, you <laughs> and Donald Cohen and Nick Hanauer. Well, at least Nick Hanauer's name should be familiar, although Donald Cohen's name should be as well. I've interviewed it you. I've interviewed Donald Cohen I've always wanted to interview Nick Hanauer, but I have not had the opportunity yet. Why don't you tell we'll us a little it. bit about we'll your co-authors? So, I mean, I, I have given Don all the credit in a way because he has a If you like the quotes in here and you're like, wow, how do you find that? How Uh-oh. do they find that? Uh-oh. He found it. Oh, wow. Don did that. You know what? I'm saying uh-oh because my signal is starting to fade. Can I call you back at this number on my 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 Skype line? And that way the my bad uh, cell signal inside my house won't um, won't continue to break up our, our conversation. So I'm going to sure. hang up here. I'll call you right back. Uh, Joan Walsh is our guest. See, we don't let a little bit of technical difficulty screw us up on this show we 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 use all modes of 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 communication to do this so let me get her uh, back on the line one uh 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 da 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 and the last four digits are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay now let's get joan walsh back on the phone uh, modern technology. You can't live with it. You can't live without it. But we'll have a better connection now and you'll hear her more clearly. Joan? Hello. Yay. Okay. We're back. Um, so Joan Walsh, is, so so you're saying uh, Donald Cohen got most of the quotes that we found. And th- someone had to do a lot of research in here because um, some of these go way back. Like you mentioned the 30s. There's a new, like I'm looking at the beginning in the first chapter, talking about like a, a child labor laws. Isn't it funny how everything comes around again? Everything old is new uh, again. Yeah. But here's a quote from a Mabel A. Clark in 1913 that says, I've seen children working in factories and I've seen them working at home and they were perfectly happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they still are because we've, we've got child labor coming back. And, you know, in Arkansas and Iowa and you know, and they're making some of the same arguments. It's just like if if the kids can't handle it, it's because the kids really aren't necessary. Aren't really, you know, they're out of shape because we coddle them. Right. And, you know, we've got quotes later in the book that are the, the same basic thing. It's like, oh, we think that our kids, you know, some industrialists will beat up your like cosseted kids going to school, you know, your kids who don't have to work because they are just, you know, 
panty waists and we, our kids are stronger. And it's like, great, you know, that's great. That's really what we all want for our children to not go to school, but right. still be able to beat up kids who go to school. Yeah, work in a, in, um, a peat, so, in a meat packing plant or something like what could possibly go yeah, wrong? Exactly. Right. So, but, but Joan Nothing. Walsh, I want to back up again because I was asking you to, to, to tell us about your co-authors and we sort of got off on this. So Donald Cohen is the founder and executive director of the Research and Policy Center in the Public Interest. And he's also co-written a few books. And I think this is when I spoke to him uh, when he released The Privatization of Everything a few years back. Um, Which and is, awesome. is awesome. It is yeah. awesome. And that's when I had the opportunity to speak with him uh, when that book came out. And Nick Hanauer is a a, a progressive billionaire. I mean, he probably doesn't go around saying that, but he's a really, really wealthy guy who go figure argues for a livable wage and, and, uh, you know, reasonable, uh, livable minimum, minimum wage. And for, um, for progressive ideals, the same thing you and I fight for that we don't get a whole lot of very wealthy people fighting for because they really? care more about their pocketbooks. Right. And I, I also want to just put out a plug for his podcast, which is called Pitchfork Economics. Yes. And, you know, Nick popularized the idea, you know, in a, in a very good way of, you know, we, I'm, I'm very wealthy. I don't apologize for that. I've, I've done, you know, my thing, my, I've done good things, but you don't tax me enough and we don't, pay other people enough. He was a big, big champion of the minimum wage of $15 in Seattle. You don't pay people enough. And therefore people are going to come after you slash us with their pitchforks. Mm -hmm. And other people found that, you know, really kind of barbaric. Um, although Barack Obama used that term once and it, but it was also used to shame him. Like how could he possibly have said that to our lovely billionaires? But Nick has a podcast called pitchfork economics. Mm -hmm. He's all about that. You know, we have done really well and you know, we're not ashamed. We didn't do anything wrong or he didn't, at least some people did, but you know, we should pay a lot more in taxes. Yes. And this became his, his project and Don's and uh, they brought me in later, not that, not that much later, but I, I was the last person brought in as they were just figuring out, you know, is this a book? What kind of book is it? Um, and how do we really tell the story? And I think, and it's not me, I will, I, it's not me, definitely. But the three of us started going through all of these quotes, you know, defending slavery, defending child labor, defending, like, we don't need seatbelts, et cetera, and, and, and decided instead of the way a lot of people do books in terms of let's choose auto safety or let's choose climate change or let's choose you know banning lead in paint or something those are the categories we were like no the categories are actually the way they lie about all of these things 
for, you know, two centuries across all of these categories. And that's what I think makes the book really fun and useful. You know, you open it up, you could, you could be sitting here, we, we could be sitting here having a glass of wine, open it up to any page, any page. And there would be some amazing quote where we would be like, what the hell? Like, how, right. Know, or how an ad or that? an ad or a political cartoon from the time or a newspaper clipping. And I love this headline from the New York times, April 16th, 1966. So it's not that far away. And it, the headline was Henry Ford sees economic hazard in curb on autos. And then the subtitle says calls on Congress to avoid irrational safety steps, a sales industry critics. Henry Ford was saying, we don't need no stinking safety regulations. Let us just build our, oh my God, no consumer protection whatsoever. We don't need need no stinking seatbelt, you know, as we've we've learned that it's saved millions of lives since then. But yeah, I mean, that is kind of the playbook. I mean, I, I can't even say, Nicole, what the playbook is in a sense, because we could point to coal mining. The coal mining industry was the playbook, you know, f- from our first example, you know, we, we do these six categories of lies. And it's like, the first one is, it's not a problem. Yep. And we open with, you know, the basically coal mining is fine and occasionally accidents happen. (laughs) And, you know, it goes on and my favorite, my my favorite from this chapter, and I'm holding it up to the the camera now is that the, the chapter is, it's not a problem. And there's an ad here for Dutch boys, I guess, paint. And this little Dutch boy is on top of a hobby horse, I guess, like a rocking horse. And it says lead under it. And it says lead is not a problem. There's no problem with lead. There's no evidence that lead in the atmosphere from autos or any other source poses a health hazard. That was 1970, by the way, that quote. 2008, the headline is Bush signs bill banning lead from toys. It took from 1970 to 2008 to cut through this corporate bullshit. Yeah. And also, you know, when I started the book, I was so shocked. I thought that, you know, child labor was banned in like the, you know, 19 (laughs) teens or whatever you would call that. And it took until the New Deal, basically, you know, 1938. It was like they they tried, they passed laws, they didn't, you know, they wouldn't get signed. It is insane how long that these things went on. Um, and and I guess the thing that I would want our listeners to know or remember, if they're as old as I am, is that they have been saying these things and now they are recycling these things. <laughs> so you know, we are seeing a new push for child labor. You know, the parents need the money because, and, you know, let's just say because corporations won't pay their parents the money. And the kids just seem like slackers because, you know, they're used to air conditioning. Um, they, They really are just very cosseted and, they need they need more uh 
limits and they need to work harder and that will be good for the kids. Right. And, you know, like I said before, every time I, I, I wake up and I just text Don and Nick and I'm just like, wait, we, we didn't get this in our book, but you know, we can talk about it now, but it is really insane how similar all these or the same, all these arguments are. And so, you know, I think that is the main thing that's and, important about the book. And some of the, the some of the quotes you pull out, as I said, there are some poll quotes, there are some newspaper headlines, there are some ads, <laughs> there are political cartoons, all with the dates on them. This one is simply a quote from the spokesperson spokesman for New York manufacturers. The date is just the year. It was 1913. And the quote is, you know, yeah, you and I both know what that was, but yeah, anyway, go ahead. The, The quote is fire code rules will lead to the wiping out of industry in this state. Well, without fire code code rules, I think it was in 1917, but my my math, my year could be wrong. 1911. 1911. 1911. The, the, the Shirko, Triangle Shirko's Factory yeah. fire that killed so many of these garment workers. They needed fire Hard codes. Code. But the, the, the corporate bullshit line was, we don't need no stinking safety regulations. No. Until scores of women, in this case, were killed in a fire. Right. And then there, you know, it's like, we don't need it. Uh, You know, our first category is it's not a problem. Right. But then later categories are, it will just make things worse and the, or the free market will fix it. And that, and that one was like, oh my God, you know, these same, these same dead young women are not going to have jobs. Basically I, you know, they, we, we will, have to do away with their jobs. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, they are dead and I hope their sisters don't want to work in your fricking factories. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was the argument. Like, yeah. you know, and that was the beginning of the new deal. And what I think, I mean, I think a lot of things are interesting because it is our book, but one of the things that I think is interesting is like at some point, the new deal was able to shoot down a lot of these arguments. They kept coming with them and they really developed, you know, if you read the book, you'll see from, you know, the early thirties through the forties, they just kept coming with these same arguments that you'll only make things worse. If you try to solve these problems, the free market will fix it, blah, blah, blah. But we did, we as in the people who care about people, we did actually manage to get a lot of things passed. And, you know, going back as you did to the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire um, in 2011, in 1911, I keep doing that. It's so weird. Right. Um, Because, you know, if you've lived in both centuries, it it will happen. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know. It, it it was a big, it was, I mean, it was a big deal. We didn't have cable. It was a horrible nightmare where all these young women died. Horrible. And it really did launch, not just the, you know, launched ultimately the new deal, but in New York, it launched a lot of safety measures and the manufacturing interests just keep 
saying, kept saying and keep saying, you're going to put us out of business. We didn't mean to do that. It was really wrong. Uh, and it's so interesting to see them keep doing it to this day. It, it really is. And actually, um, see, I was alerted. I thought that the, the fire happened after that quote, but you attribute that quote no. to 1913. So that was after the fire when these no. women already were killed, which makes it even worse. Well, because they, well, because they were fighting. I mean, you know, the reason, I mean, that's the, thank you. I mean, it, there's no reason you should know that, right? but thank you for raising that because they were, arguing because that horror, like a lot of horrors in our lifetimes, did lead to people trying to reform the system and reform, you know, manufacturing and labor conditions. And they were arguing that the reforms were going to put manufacturing and, you know, all business out of out of business. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, it really did. I mean, 1911, a long time ago, uh, even I don't remember it, but it really <laughs> did launch the new deal. You know, right? it, it did. I mean, it was, it, it, the new deal came like 20, 30 something years later, but it was such a horrific, uh, you know, they, they laid out the bodies of little girls on the streets. Again, child labor, um, because they were working in that factory as well, because there were no child labor laws yeah. laws then. And then, yeah. Joan, you, I mean, you know, this the New Deal that brings us to Chapter 6, which is, it's socialism! And they're still doing it today. I mean, I, I fled Florida, the fascist state of Florida, but Miami-Dade was all that. That's all they did. It was scare, scaring everyone, all the, the, the South American immigrants who now populate Miami, the Venezuelans, right. and who had a different form of socialism than we're talking about with Social Security and Medicare. That are forms of socialism. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, they're talking about the dictatorship type of social. We need another word for it. But to 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 instill fear in people, those Democrats, they're socialists. And it worked. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked down there. And I, you know, I know what you're talking about. And they, you know, I guess I. I mean, we both understand that they're afraid of certain things that maybe they saw, but, you know, I don't, you know, I think I, when I was younger, I was probably a socialist. I think right now I would call myself a social Democrat, which, you know, has a lot of connotations in Europe, which are not always good, but basically I, you know, I don't know that we can topple capitalism and I don't know that we should. But I do think that whatever bounty capitalism gives us should be regulated by the government and, you know, safety measures and a safety net, et cetera. And so, you know, the, the thing about that one last chapter, which I love, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's also interesting that I don't know. I mean, you tell me, except in Florida and in communities where there are like, you know, Venezuelans and Cubans, et right. cetera. I'm not sure it really resonates anymore. I, I don't you know. know. We had a, 
Right. But I know in Florida it did. And it was astounding that they could just invoke, oh, it's socialism. And then people go, oh, no, scary. Come on. Or as Joe says. Right. And and I just have to say, you know, I, I, I wasn't there. I didn't live there. So I totally believe you. And I have heard that. But I do think around the rest of the country, I kind of wonder, you know, it's like Bernie Sanders came in second to Joe Biden. Like, <laughs> let's not revisit that That's whole right. thing. Oh. But, you know, AOC is one of the, you know, I live in New York City. She's one of the most popular Democratic politicians in the country. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't call myself a socialist, but they do. And... Right. It's not hurting them. Um, and so, you know, it's really interesting. But, you know, uh, as we, I think we said, no, we didn't say this in the book because she wasn't on our radar. Right. Marjorie Taylor Greene <laughs> called Joe Biden a socialist. Yes. I'm so glad she wasn't on our radar. <sighs> um, you know, but I think we also had freaking Ron Johnson calling Joe Biden is yes. socialist. Yeah. And, you know. But you but know what? They Joe said Biden it was- about everyone from Joe Biden to Barack Obama. And, you know, it, it does. You can't. It, and, you, back to, right. and back to, you know, FDR and mm. Harry Truman, who, you know, all, Jimmy Carter, right. who was, you know, we, we will all look back. I, we love him. Uh, but you know, he was a very, very, very much centrist Democrat That's he right. was trying to pull the party to the center. I won't, I won't say to the right, Bill right Clinton, to the center, trying but- to pull the party to the center also called a socialist. Yep. They, they called them all socialists. Right. So it's kind of like, come on, right. you guys, this is ridiculous. Yes. Again, I, I invoke Joe Biden. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> You can always pull that one out. I love, I love that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I beat the socialist. Yeah, right. He did. And but believe me, the last person you can call a socialist is Joe Biden. He's just not. But I they mean, do it anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It, you know, they, they would call Joe Manchin a socialist because he's the D next to his name. Yeah. Right. But yeah. <laughs> but really. yeah. One of the worst. Uh, exactly. Just, oh, you know. God. Good riddance, please. I can't. You know, I'm here in Arizona, so I've got his partner in crime, Kirsten Cinema, to hopefully expel from office well, and get Ruben Gallego in, and then then we're rocking but here. Tell us about that. I mean, uh, the the polling I saw today was really great. I didn't even see it. I, I did not see it. Um, he is ahead, and she is trailing, and well, you oh. know. Carrie Lake, the evil Carrie Lake is just behind Gallego. Yeah, she's the one I'm afraid of, not Kirsten Cinema. I think Cinema's toast. I know, I know, but anyway, yeah. uh, you know, but I, I do the, this one poll. Sorry, I didn't mean to spring that on oh, you. Oh, that's okay. You should never do that. It's <laughs> all right. So, People, uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing moving to Arizona. Uh, my show is on three hours earlier. I'm, it's on the same time, but I lose three hours oh of show God. prep. So it I'm still, d- I used really to go. Hard. Yes, I was going on at five in Florida. Now I get here and I've got to be on the air at two. I lose three hours of my show. So my whole day is thrown off and you don't know, but I know you're a dog lover. I spent the morning in the emergency hospital with my dog, Jackson Brown. Um, 
That's his name, Jackson. 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 Wow. Yes, he is. Um, and so What's happening? we went for a walk the other day and these two dogs hopped the fence of their house and one of them went for Jackson. And I didn't know it at the time, but but broke his skin. I mean, the, he had a puncture oh, wound oh. in his back and his whole left side is now swollen. And I thought he was okay because, you know, dogs will hide it from us and not try, I guess, so we don't worry about them. But he sleeps with me. Right. And he woke me up at five o'clock this morning, shrieking in pain. And I'm like, oh my God. And so at five o'clock, 5.30, I get him in the car and we go to the emergency hospital. And we didn't get out of there till almost nine. He's okay, but the the tissue around the puncture wound where he was bitten by another dog is all swollen and inflamed. And it just, it kills me. My poor baby is just hurting. What are they doing about that? I mean, Um, put them on antibiotics and pain medicine. They want, they talked about, you know, putting sedating him and draining it. But she said, honestly, it feels really hard. I don't feel any liquid, like I'm getting really gross here, but pus or anything. It just feels like the tissue is really inflamed, like it's angry. So let's bring the, the, the inflammation down and give him some pain medication. They shot him with, um, um, not morphine, but, uh, um, methadone of all things. Um, and so he was kind of high when we got home and, but he just stood there. It's like, it hurts him to walk and it kills me, you know, do whatever you want to me, leave my dog alone. Um, so yeah, so it's been a, it's been a rough, (laughs) it's been a rough day. And now I need to go over to the neighbor and say, by the way, your dog, you know, she's like, oh, if there's anything, I'll pay vet bills. Okay, well, she's, you know, to the tune of $600 for this morning. And we are going to his regular vet tomorrow. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough being a pet parent. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, mine is 14 and a half. And so it feels like I was just texting my daughter. It's like. You know, every month it's like a thousand dollars, and you know I can't really afford this Nor anymore. But you know, I will. With there are and babies. My daughter is yeah. now my daughter's thirty three, so she can help support me and my dog. <laughs> Hello. So I feel fine about it. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm a I'm an advocate for pet insurance. Now, let's not talk about the for profit health insurance industry. Wendell Potter was on the show yesterday. So we did that already. I call it government sanctioned extortion, but you know, we already heard that yesterday, but today, let me tell you something. Pet insurance is so important because the cost of veterinary medicine has exploded because they know we'll pay it. They know we'll pay it. We'll do whatever we need to do for our, 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 our fur babies. So for babies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. But but life goes on and you do what you got to do. But this was my day so far. It was not a fun one. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it is. It is. I I was afraid I was going to have to cancel on you. you, Yes, me too. And you were and you are. The book is Corporate Bullshit, but with an asterisk replacing the I because you can't say bullshit on most places, uh, exposing the lies and half truths that protect profit, power, and wealth in America. You know, Joan, and the book is great. Like I said, I was picking this up and reading it during our six day ride from Florida to (laughs) Arizona. And I kept going to David, Oh my God, do you believe this? And one quote after another, um, 
So yes, do read the book. But I, I, you know, I was telling the listeners at the beginning, I'm prepping uh, the launch of a new show. I'm going to be doing a show, a weekly show on KPFK uh, in Los Angeles beginning Friday, November 17th. And I want my first guest to be Kelly Carlin to talk about the Pacifica Seven Dirty Words case that her father oh, yeah. was I at. Love her. And uh, Kelly's great. And George was a genius. And so the challenge will be for Kelly and me not to say any of the seven dirty words as we try to explain what the seven dirty words were. So I always you know, make I, things I, difficult I, on myself. I've written about this, but I love. I loved George Carlin and my father loved George Carlin. And I have often thought about how much George Carlin would love this book. So oh, he would want to, you know, send that out there to the universe. Perfect. Full George circle. George would have loved this book because it's the kind of shit that he I called know. out all the time. The hypocrisy exactly. and the, and the, uh, you know, in my term opposite worldness of all of it. If, if that makes exactly. sense. Yeah. Um, Joan Walsh still on the shitters. We call it shitter because it's X I T T E R. And that's how you pronounce shitter. Um, and so the tweets are shits uh, that's, and it just fits perfectly. Um, but also on, you're on blue sky now. Are you on, on any of the other ones? I'm on threads, threads. too. Me too. So, but you know, I don't really know what to do about it. it I it's don't just, either. you know, it's, nothing adds up, but. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's I'm, really I'm doing it all. Really hard. I'm doing those two things. Got it. Well, we'll That's look for you all, in all those places. I had the, um, <laughs> I, I had the, 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 of course the Chiron wrong. Um, so you were co-author, co-author, but I fixed it. So now you're just co-author of corporate bullshit. And again, you can read Joan at the nation.com. If you're not already a subscriber, you should be. Um, but you can, you can, you can read some of the articles for free each month and you should check out Joan over there too. Joan, thank you as always. It's always great to talk to you. Um, and, uh, um, maybe I'll see you at another Bruce show when he picks up again. Yeah, I, I, I hope, hope so. I mean, both things. <laughs> we but both I, I said, we'll, I hope anyway, anyway, we will see each other. Definitely. Thank you thank so you much. Paul. Great really to talk to you it. as do I. Um, uh, always great to talk to you and really, really appreciate it. Take care. Uh, and I'll talk Thanks. soon. Thank, thank you. Bye. Uh, Joan Walsh, everybody. Again, she is at Joan Walsh on the shitter. She is, um, I think Joan M Walsh on blue sky. Just, you know what, when you go to these, uh, uh these social media sites, if you do search, and then you'll find out if the people you want to follow are on there or not. <laughs> it's a tough world we live in. And it just gets tougher. All right. With that, we're done. It's a Wednesday in the book. I got to go cuddle with my doggy because, you know, he's hurting my poor baby boy. And uh, tomorrow is Thursday. Howie Klein will be here. Friday. Uh, Friday. Uh, Marcy Wheeler will be back because we're now we're doing it weekly. Uh, we're getting it. It's coming together, even with all the technical difficulties. But you expect that from my show by now, don't you? Of course you do. And you know, we get through. All right. Uh, big thanks to Joan Walsh. Thanks to you. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out, everyone. Please. Peace. <laughs>